Isn't it beautiful to be a part of the church? Yeah, let's give him glory. It is because <laughs> okay. It is because it is an amazing thing to be part of this amazing thing, this amazing movement called the church that I am so honored to introduce to, do, uh, to you today uh, the speaker that the Lord has given us. Um, so let me give you a little bit of uh, context here and history. A few years ago, uh, as a staff, we were reading this article about the largest Presbyterian multi-ethnic church in, Mem- in the United States that happened to be in Memphis. Um, at that time as a church, we're going through transitions. We're trying to figure out what the Lord has for us in the future. And we got a hold of this pastor, and we invited him uh, to come and speak to us and spend, I don't know, two, three, four dinners and a roll or something like that, right? And we had like a, uh, like a special meeting with some people in the church, and he spoke to our leaders, um, and he spoke to the church. And through all of these, we got to see his heart for God, his heart for the church, his heart for the multicolor, multi-shape, multi-ethnic kingdom of God. His heart for the community. Um, so he became almost like a friend automatically. Actually, uh, this last summer, our students were going to go and visit his church. And because th- things didn't go as planned with our, with our students' ministry, we had to change that part of our, of our plan. But uh, through all these, we got to see uh, this pastor and to admire him and to consider him a friend. And someone that is, we constantly talk to and ask questions. Actually, we have a ministry here in the church called Ethnos, in which uh, it's kind of a program in which we are helping the church understand more and more what it means to become a multi-ethnic, multicultural church. Well, that was borrowed. It was actually a gift from uh, this pastor's church. Um, so his name is Rufus Smith. And I want to I wanna invite you to give him a very, very, very warm welcome. Rufus, please come to the front. Thank you, buddy. You get applause like that, I just want to quit while I'm ahead and get a benediction. <laughs> the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces asunder between the joints and the marrow, the soul and the spirit, and it is a critic of the thought and intent of the heart. Timothy says that all scripture is God-breathed, and as such, it is profitable for reproof, rebuke, correction, instruction in righteousness. Jesus, Master Chef, says that it is written, it is written, it is written that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God shall a man live. I, like you, believe that the word of God is untainted and unmixed with error, that it is divine in its origin, inspired in its totality, regenerative in its power, inexhaustible in its adequacy, convicting and comforting to the soul, personal and social in its application. I'd love for you to turn with me in the Word of God to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5 and verses 1 through 16 are a collection of such verses. I'll be reading in the King James 
or the New International Version. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Pray with me. Indeed, our Father, we thank you for the total sufficiency of Jesus Christ and for the supply of your spirit. We ask now that you would teach our minds, control our emotions, govern our behavior, and transform our lives. We eagerly sit under the authority of your word and say like your servant Samuel of old, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In the name of the King of kings and Lord of lords, even Jesus, our Savior, we pray, we praise you. Amen. I'm honored to be here at the Wheaton Bible Church and I'm congratulating you on the successful transition from a long-tenured pastor to a long-tenured son, Reverend Hannibal Rodriguez. A lot of churches do not make such a transition. So I want to appreciatively applaud the Lord and you and he and Pastor Boo for this transition. Let's put our hands together for him and them. It's not always easy. I, 11 years ago, I made such a transition in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, as Hannibal said, we have become fast friends. And I've noticed three things about him. I didn't rehearse this with him, so I'm sorry if you're offended. <laughs> Number one, I've noticed that he has a high view of Scripture, a high view of Scripture, and I appreciate that in any man or any woman who has a high view of Scripture believing that divine viewpoint trumps human viewpoint. And then I've noticed something else about him. Not only does he have a high view of Scripture, but he has a spirit of humility and teachability. 
the spirit of humility and teachability. He has life experience and lordship experience that expands uh, many of ours, but he still has a spirit of humility. I appreciate that. God will honor that. Old preacher told me years ago that humility is God's elevator. I never understood that, but I do now. God has blessed you with humility and teachability. Keep that. And then here's the third thing that I appreciate. He is a holistic thinker when it comes to the gospel. He is interested in body, soul, and spirit, the physical, the material, and the emotional. Holistic in thinking when it comes to the gospel. And that's just like our Savior. So I want to commend you to keep on that track. And I praise God for you and your friendship. And I praise God for the Wheaton Bible Church. Did you know only 13% of churches in America look like you and are striving to be multi-ethnic, multi-class? Did you know that? Let me repeat that. Only 13% of churches in America, 350,000 churches, they tell us in America, only 13% are seeking to improve the delivery of the Great Commission to make disciples of every ethnicity, age, and socioeconomic class, particularly within their one three, five mile radius. So you are on the cutting edge and I want to encourage and commend you for doing so. You are a shining example. Please understand me and hear me. I go to a lot of churches, a shining example that it does not matter if you're black or white, yellow or brown, rich or poor, up or down, Republican or Democrat, liberal or conservative, hawk or dove, in the city, out of the city, as long as Jesus Christ is the center and circumference, the psalm and substance, basis and boundary of all that we ever hope to be, we can be one in him. Amen. I almost feel like preaching right now. <laughs> but it's wonderful that you are aspiring to be such a congregation. We made the transition about 11 years ago in Memphis, Tennessee. And so I have a deep empathy and appreciation for what God is doing in, to, and through you here, here today. So let's take a look at our text. Let your light so shine, one translation says, before men, that they will see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. That translation is not just let your light shine. No, in the Greek it's stronger than that. It's let your light so shine. Wake up the person next to you. Let your light so shine that men will see your good works, but glorify the Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. Jesus was teaching his disciples about another kingdom that they could not see. They were focused on the Greco-Roman world, what they could see, the mundane. And then he opened 
and set them down. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He was introducing them to a whole nother system that they did not know previously existed. As a gift to my son for graduating high school, I told him I would take you for one week to any city within the continental United States. He chose New York City. He was a basketball player in high school and college, and he particularly wanted to play in Rutgers Park. That is an urban legend park, and he wanted to play there, plus go to Yankee Stadium and all the things that you can do in New York. And so we went, our hotel was the Millennium, we across the street from the UN, which we also had a chance to visit. And when he got to the room, we were on the 20th floor or so, he looked down and he said, Dad, look at the sea of yellow calves. I've never seen this many calves in any place. Do people in New York have cars? I said, yeah, few and far between. It's such a dense area, but mainly they get around in taxi cabs. He said, I've never seen anything like that. I said, but son, beneath the taxi cabs, there's another system called a subway system. And believe it or not, many more thousands of people ride that system than taxi cabs. And we're going to go. And so we went and I got a ticket for a week and he learned to navigate the subway. So he was fascinated that there was a whole nother system that could not be seen on the surface, but it existed underground. And with that ticket, he was able to go back and forth to Rutgers Park to go to Yankee Stadium and all the other places he wanted to go and see. By day two, he didn't even need me because he had his own pass. There is a whole nother system within the system called the kingdom of God. We live in this world, but God has carved out an entirely different system in the unseen realities of life. You cannot see it unless you are part of the blessed broken. And that's why he introduced and said, only the people who have these kinds of attitudes will be able to see the system within the system and to operate and be the lights of the world. It is not for everybody. There is a system within the system. There is an unseen reality of life called the kingdom of God. You get in that system first by blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So when Jesus says, you are the light of the world, note this, he's not talking about everybody. You are the light of the world. He was not talking about the religious establishment in his day, the government established in his day, the commerce establishment in his day, the rich or the famous in his day. You are the light of the world, the part of this blessed brokenness. That's who you are. And everybody is not a part of it, just like today. Sometimes we give too much credit to 
business and commerce and government and other institution, athletes and media, but that is not the light of the world. You have to be a part of the blessed broken. The only people who have certain attitudes that we have come to call the Beatitudes, we are the light of the world. You first enter by being broken, spiritually bankrupt. I cannot do anything of myself. It is not true that God blesses those who help themselves. It is true that God helps those who let him help them. We are spiritually bankrupt and broken and we cannot save, deliver, rescue ourselves. For those who are poor in spirit, who recognize they are spiritually bankrupt, for them, there is the kingdom of heaven, and you begin to see a whole nother system. Blessed are those who are mourning because of sin in this world. You will be comforted. Blessed are those who are meek, that is, those who are submitting to the plan of God, even when you don't understand that I'm submitting to his plan. Blessed are those who are hungering and thirsting for something else, righteousness. You will be satisfied. Blessed are those who are in service particularly to those who need mercy for you yourself will be shown mercy. Blessed are those who are sincere and in the process of sanctification, pure in heart, for you will see and understand God at a whole nother level. Blessed, he said, are those who are peacemakers, that is making not only humanitarian peace with God and with men and men, but who are making vertical peace with God and men. You will be called the true sons and daughters of God. And when you do this, blessed are those who will be persecuted for righteousness sake, because you will. You are the light of the world, not the rich, not the famous, not the government, not uh, the, the, the entertainers or the sports uh, heroes of our day, but you are. I want you to understand that because God will use us as his medium of exchange to change the world. He's been doing it and he wants to keep on doing it. So you are the light of the world. So let your light so shine that men will see your good works and they'll glorify the Father in heaven. I love this story about William Booth who was the founder of the Salvation Army. He was born in 1829 in Nottingham, United Kingdom. Mr. Booth really became a Jesus follower early in life and an active Methodist preaching and helping the poor in his local area. After some time working as a pawnbroker, he moved with his wife, Catherine Mumford Booth, to the east of London. And the two of them began working with a group of Christian businessmen who were concerned for the poor and the disadvantaged in their community. In 1852, Booth abandoned the concept of the traditional church uh, pulpit in favor of taking the gospel of Jesus Christ directly to the streets, directly to the people. So walking the streets of London, he preached to the poor, the homeless, the hungry, and the destitute. Fellow clergymen disagreed with his unconventional approach, uh, but he and his wife Catherine continued to, to train other evangelists and converts. Over the next few years, 
Obviously, the movement flourished. It focused on teaching those who were impoverished and disadvantaged about the message of Jesus Christ in a language and in a place that they could relate to, such as dance halls, bowling alleys, and even outdoors. They addressed people's basic human needs as well as use uniquely musical teams to convey the message of the gospel. And despite opposition from all parts of the public who disliked some of their methods and style, many surrendered their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. This continued, and in 1865, uh, they moved back to the East End of London, and the original name was the Christian Mission. And at this time, there were about a thousand volunteers made up of convicted criminals, prostitutes, gamblers, and drunkards. This was their flock. One day, Booth was reading a printer's proof of the annual Christian Mission report, and he noticed a statement that said, the Christian Mission is a volunteer army. He crossed out the words volunteer and he penned in Salvation Army. And from those words came the basis of what we know today as the Salvation Army, and it has grown to this day. It's a household word, in fact. He took seriously this idea to let your light so shine before men. Light reveals truth. It reveals truth. That's what light does. It gives insight to what I previously did not know. Light reveals truth. Oh, how many things did I not know about when I was walking independent from God? And through the light of his word and the light of his spirit, I have come to live and understand life at a whole nother level. The kingdom of God, a system within a system, and understand that it is me that he wants to use, part of the blessed broken, in order to make an impact in this world. Light reveals the truth of justice, righteousness, and compassion. Repeat, light reveals the truth of justice, righteousness, and compassion from God's point of view. We all need light. Here's another thing light does. Light not only reveals truth, but light repels fear and lies. Anybody ever been afraid of the dark? Yeah, I know I have. I used to, I tied a string on the, the light switch. Uh, my parents didn't know it. They didn't want the light on. And when they closed the door, I had that string I kept it on for as long as I could till I fell asleep and then jerked the string to turn the car. I was afraid of the dark. But boy, when light came, I could see the boogeyman. And I was uh, not afraid at all. Light repels and expels fear. The fear of being what God wants us to be, when we read his light, when we see other lights, then it repels our natural fear to move forward and do good among men 
and bring glory to his name. I love this story of this young man. It's a fable, a young buffalo named Walter asked his dad if there was anything he should be afraid of. He said, only the lions, my son. Well, if I ever see one, I'll turn and run as fast as I can, said Walter. No, that's the worst thing you can do. He said, I don't understand. He said, son, lions are strong. Uh, he said, dad, lions are strong and scary and they'll kill me. But the dad said, Walter, if you run, the lions are too fast and they'll catch you. And they'll swipe you with your powerful paw, their powerful paw, jump on you and bring you down. So what should I do? He said, son, if you ever see a lion, stand your ground and show him that you're not afraid. He said, but dad, I am afraid. He said, well, Walter, I know, but act like you're not. If he doesn't move away, show him your sharp horns and stomp the ground with your hoofs. If that doesn't work, move slowly toward him. If the lion refuses to move away, charge him and hit him with everything you've got. He said, that's crazy. <laughs> you said he's too strong and he'll attack me. And his dad says, look around, Walter. What do you see? He looked around at the rest of the herd and saw about 200 massive buffalo beasts with all armed, sharp horns and huge shoulders. He said, son, if you're ever afraid, know that you are not alone. We are here. If you panic and run from your fears, we can't help you. But if you charge towards them, we'll charge right behind you. The young buffalo breathed deeply and nodded, thanks, Dad, I understand. Every person in this life must navigate our lions of fear, whether it's the fear of people's opinion rather than God's opinion of us, whether it's uncertainty of an unknown future, whether it's the change of a job or a church or a city or a way of life, we have to navigate the fears of loss or prestige or position or power, failure, sickness, a diagnosis that changes life as we know it. We all have to navigate the lions of fear that prevent us from reaching our potential. Now we can flee or we can freeze or we can fight. But we remember like the dad told Walter, look around you, not just here locally, look around the globe of all the lights of the world, part of the blessed broken, you're not alone. And more than that, he is with us when we are letting our light so shine before men that they see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Light repels fear. And here's the last thing. Not only does light reveal truth and repel fear, but light gives warmth, doesn't it? It gives warmth. You and I have the warmth of the gospel to offer to a broken world. No other class of people has the story that we have. And let's make sure that people don't dismiss our truth because of our tone.
Can I say that again? We have such a warm gospel that walks between grace and truth. Let's make sure that people don't dismiss our truth because of our tone. Sometimes in the church we are guilty trying to uphold the righteousness of God, which we ought to be doing, that we so turn off people with our tone that they don't even get to our truth. And Jesus says he came to give grace and truth. So as lights of the world, we have to give and provide warmth of the gospel. That does not mean compromising our core. It just means making sure that we are grace-oriented, that we are warm, that we are walking the balance of grace and truth. No other entity has our story. I love to talk about our Savior, Jesus, the one who left heaven's great glory for earth's great gloom. No other entity has our story. It's a warm story. It's a truthful story. The highest of the high became the lowest of the low, and the richest of the rich became the poorest of the poor. We have a Savior who fills heaven with his glory and earth with his goodness, hell with his fury. We have a Savior that was born down in Bethlehem where heaven sent out his best choir, brightest star to mark the place where he lay. And that was a baby ages older than his own mother who said, before Abraham was, I already am. He didn't have to come down. Down, but he did, and he did it in a warm and graceful way. He said that I am the light of the world. He came to reveal truth. He came to repel fears and lies, and he came with the warmth of the gospel, conceived in virginity, born in humility, wrapped in humanity, lived 33 years in obscurity. He healed indiscriminately, served selflessly, preached poignantly, prayed fervently, taught tirelessly, su suffered silently, died vicariously, rose victoriously, will return very gloriously. I am the light of the world, and now I've sent you to be the lights of the world. Amen. Amen. Not the rich, not the famous, not the government, not the media, not sports entertainers, not Hollywood, not Madison Avenue, but you who are part of the blessed broken, I'm going to use you as my medium of exchange to change this world. Y'all better say oh, amen. I don't want to quit. <laughs> but I better stop. Now ah, let's pray together. Ah, gracious God, our Father, bless you. Thank you for choosing us to be the light of the world. Help us to examine our lives within our concentric circles of contact so that we can see how we can be light that reveals truth and light that repels fear and lies and light that brings the warmth of the gospel, to be a voice against injustice, to be a voice of righteousness and a voice of compassion. May our light so shine 
that men and women will see our good works, but, but bring you glory. That is, we highlight your name. We spotlight your character. We advertise you. Not our fame, but your name. For the sake of the kingdom and the glory of the high king, we pray and praise you. Amen.